God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out His Spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring and we equip for that outpouring so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. You know, there's so much talk. The media talking heads are, are talking food shortages, food shortages. And we're hearing prophecies and prophetic dreams of famine. What about food shortages? How do I prepare? We're so glad that you're with us today. Before we get started, we want to encourage you to go to our website, globaloutpouring.net, and have a look around. There's uh, information there about upcoming events, and there's a player there that you can listen to previous episodes of our podcast, and there's a place for you to subscribe for emails and a place where you can give us feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can send us feedback through the website or through just writing to feedback at globaloutpouring.org. We'd love to hear from you and know what's on your heart. How is this podcast helping you? Or is there something you want us to address that, that we can pray into and, and bring you a word in season as the Holy Spirit leads us? So we're hearing all about food shortages and uh, shortages of fertilizer and supply chain issues and and all of these kinds of things. I'm reminded, and, and I've heard a number of different prophetic voices using Charles Dickens' quote from the opening lines of his novel about the French Revolution, The Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And the rest of it goes on to say, it was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. That's the kind of thing that we're aware of even now. You know, behold, darkness has covered the earth and gross darkness the people. That's a, it's, a, it's an Isaiah 60 moment. Wow, yes. Uh huh. And there's all kinds of folks out there that are prepping. Mm-hmm. They've gotten the word that something awful is going to happen, and there, there is something to it. There's a lot of prophetic people that are seeing visions, they're seeing dreams, but we've been hearing this in our lifetime since the 70s. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, that's when we started hearing it because we were young then. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been there a long time, and there were preppers in our era, and, well, you know... We stored food. I mean, we didn't store food, but our, our founders and, and Philip's parents did and lots of other folks that we knew were storing up food. And, you know, just a few years ago, we went and tried to um, tried to use some of it just to see if it was any good. Um, it wasn't. <laughs> you, the, you, you put the, the beans in the pressure cooker and nah, they're still like rocks. And I wonder if you could grind them and make flour, bean uh, flour. I don't yeah. know what you could. I don't know how nutritious it would be. I don't know, or, or what it would taste like. Yeah, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but prepping's been going on for a long time. And 
a lot of things that have been stored up have had to be thrown away. We finally threw away the stuff that was collected more than 40 years ago because we didn't know if it would be safe or not. So the point is that it's so important to just hear from God and not mm-hmm. be moved by fear. Look what happened in the book of Jonah. Jonah was sent to Nineveh. He, he ran through the, the city back and forth and back and forth down the streets. You know, he probably was bleached out from having been in the belly of the fish. And he would probably have not smelled very good from being three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. And he's preaching, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. And, you know, these people, these, these Assyrians knew that there really was a God in Israel. And Jonah was a prophet of the God of Israel. So they took it seriously. Yeah. What did they do? They fasted. They, yeah. Yeah, they put on, I believe the king put on sackcloth and ashes. Yeah. And he even demanded that the- even the, And the cattle. Yeah. And the animals the, too had to fast. Everybody had to fast for three days and repent. That's the point. It's not just fasting. It's the repentance part. But the, the fasting showed God that they were serious about their repentance. Yeah. And God relented. Especially if it was leadership, it was the king. Yeah. He yeah. got out there and ordered the whole country to do it. So God is merciful. And I believe that's the reason why we didn't have the kind of thing happening in the 70s that people were dreaming about and having prophecies about. And we didn't have it because the intercessors stood up and said, not on our watch. No, no. Actually, I think in those days they were saying, God, have mercy. Oh, God, have mercy. Please have mercy. Please have mercy. Please don't send judgment. Since then, I've gotten a new attitude about judgment, that judgment is really for cleaning up the place. Mm -hmm. And it's probably a good thing. And there are shakings coming that are the shakings of everything that can be shaken will be shaken from the book of Hebrews, uh, where it's, it's quoting an Old Testament scripture. That's a good thing. And... Um, we heard recently Clay Nash had a dream that, that uh, he, he heard the Lord saying that there's a shaking coming. Don't get your eyes on the shaking. Keep your eyes focused on mm-hmm. Jesus yeah. and on the word. So that is what we want to talk about today. Not, I'm not telling you not to prep. Do what the Holy Spirit shows you to do. But in what the Holy Spirit shows you to do, understand that this isn't about just taking care of you and and your family. Mm-hmm. What good is it if you uh, are protecting your little bit of food that you've got stowed away, all these dehydrated things that you've got stored in in plastic totes and you know garbage bags full of this and whatever? What if someone comes to your door and they they want to steal your food? Yeah, they have a gun. They have a gun and you have a gun and you have a shootout and you send them into eternity. What good is that from an eternal standpoint? You have to do what you feel led by the Holy Spirit to do, but you have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit in order to be able to hear his voice on these things. My point is not that you should shoot somebody or not shoot somebody. My point is that you need to be ready to feed the hungry with the provision that you have. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily about storing more than what you need for your family. 
It's you need to begin to believe God to do the miraculous with the supply that you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did Jesus do? He just took the bread and broke it and right. multiplied. Right. Here's 5,000 men, not even counting women and children, and all that they have is five loaves and two fish. Uh -huh. Well, what are these among so many? That's what his disciples said. And he just said, make them sit down in 50s, groups of 50s, and you go feed them. <laughs> he held up the bread and the fish, and he thanked God for it, and he broke them and gave them to the disciples and they broke them and they kept breaking them and they kept breaking them and they fed everybody and 12 baskets left over. Wow. And then there was there was the... the so I'm, I'm sure people went back for seconds maybe. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Because it was an abundance. Yeah. That's the point. All they had was five loaves and I'm telling you it's not like a loaf of bread that you buy in the grocery store. It was probably like a, like a tortilla. Yeah. Okay. It was probably a small. Yeah. They didn't have bread like we have today where you have a think of a little loaf or a, or a dinner roll. Right. Yeah, they, they didn't have that. Well, they, what, they, what they had was what mama made for the little boy. It was a little boy's lunch. Hmm. The little boy himself would have eaten five pieces of bread and two fish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was his lunch. Um, you know, maybe it was enough for lunch and a snack, you know, <laughs> if he doesn't eat it all at once. But it was enough to feed 5,000 men and women and children. That's wow. the miraculous that we need to be expecting. Yes. Amen. Okay. Um, this happened in the Old Testament, too, in, in Elisha's time. You can see this in Second Kings chapter 4. There's two different stories of how God multiplied food under his ministry. So the first one was when the widow woman came and said, I've got all this debt. They want to take my sons and sell them for slaves to pay the debt. What do I do? So he said, what do you have in your house? Here's the key. What, what do, do you, you have? have? She said, all I've got left is a pot of oil. He said, go borrow all kinds of containers and start pouring that oil and you'll, you'll be able to fill every one. Then you sell it, sell the oil and pay the debt and live off what's left over. Hmm. It's a miraculous supply out of what you have. Yeah. All they had in Jesus' day for, for 5,000 was five loaves and two fish. What do you have? Let God work in it. He wants to do miracles. He wants us to expect miracles. So the second one was, same, it's the same chapter and down in verse 42, I'm reading from the New King James. Then a man came from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley bread and newly ripened grain in his knapsack. And he said, give it to the people that they may eat. That was probably Elisha said that. Yeah. But his servant said, what? Shall I set this before 100 men? <laughs> uh, you, you got 20 loaves of barley bread. You think it'd be a boarding house reach. You know? Yeah. So again, if, if, it's, if a loaf is, it's not a loaf. Like we think of a loaf. Uh -huh. It's more like a tortilla. It's a flat Or a flat bread. Uh-huh. It's flat bread. So 20 pieces of flat bread for 100 people. Hello. Oh. You got to divide a tortilla by five. Okay. But he said, it, he said, give it to the people that they may eat, for thus says the Lord, they shall eat 
and have some left over. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. Yes. Uh huh. God always has provision for his people. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, in Second Kings chapter six and seven, remember there was a there was a siege. The the uh, king of Syria had besieged the city of Samaria, and the people were starving to the point that they were eating doves' dung and their children, and even yeah. the head of a donkey. Um, it was horrific. Yeah, the people get desperate when there's not food. Yeah, yeah. and and they don't. It, it's not, it's fear. Yeah. See, we cannot. We are believers in the Lord. We're believers in the kingdom of God. We cannot be motivated by fear. Yeah. Fear isn't part of how we were wired. We were not wired for fear. We were wired for love. Fear controls. Mm-hmm. If you let it. If you let it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're not designed to work by fear. We're designed to work with our Father like Jesus did and do everything that we see him doing and say everything that we hear him saying. Mm-hmm. That's yes. how we're wired. That's how we're designed to be. We're designed to be working with the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy mm. Spirit tells you to, you know, buy that extra can or, you know, buy a tote full of something or buy this or buy that, obey the Holy Spirit. Do what he says, but do it with the expectation that he's going to do something awesome with it. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here's here's this terrible siege going on in Samaria. And... Elisha prophesies that by the next day, they're going to be able to sell the grain, sell grain cheaply. He gave the amount, you know, just a small amount of money, and you'll be able to have this, and there's, a, there's going to be an abundance. And what happened was that there were four lepers sitting outside the city gate. They couldn't live in the city. And they said, ah, why are we sitting here till we die? Yeah, they're starving too. They were starving there's, too. There was no food anywhere. Right. So yeah. what did they do? They just said, "Let's let's go to the Syrians and and just beg for mercy. And if, if they don't feed us, maybe they'll kill us, put us out of our misery." Yeah, we're going to die anyway. Sit, why sit we here till we die? Yeah. You know. So as they go out in the twilight to the Syrian camp. Yeah. Before they got there, the Lord had caused the Syrian army to hear the noise of a great host with chariots and horses. And they thought that Israel had hired another army to come after them. So they fled for their lives, and God plentifully supplied the need by means of their enemy. Yeah. And yet when an army goes to war, they just don't all go out and battle. They have to have provision behind them. Mm -hmm. So when there is a a, a battle, big battle going on, they're they bring stuff with them you got because you got to, mm-hmm. you know, your army's going to sit there for how maybe two or three days or a week. They're besieged. How long were they besieged? It, it was a while. Mm-hmm. So this army was camped out there for a while. And they had plenty. And they had plenty, plenty of food brought in because they had to have it, mm-hmm. you know, out where they're at. And it was hot out there, too. Yeah. So I'm sure they had to bring in a lot of water and and uh, fruits and things like that. Yeah. And so they all fled. Mm-hmm. And so here's this supermarket left behind of, yep. of all these goods of all kinds. Yes. And, you know, it was more than food. It was raiment, all kinds of things, mm-hmm. money, you know. Horses be, and camels, horse, and, or, I mean, whatever they needed. Why didn't they flee in the horses? They fled on foot. Yeah, they just got up and ran they for their lives. They got up and ran for their lives. 
Amazing. Wow, that, that is amazing. Wow. So God supplied them uh-huh. a miraculous supply from their enemies. Yeah. Their enemies made the supply for them. Mm-hmm. We don't know how God's going to do things, but yeah. we can expect him to provide. Yeah. That's what he does. That's, that's putting faith in action. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and remember the story of Abraham and God tells him to sacrifice his son. And he goes to Mount Moriah and he brings Isaac with him and Isaac is carrying the wood and he's got the knife and he's got the torch to set the, the wood on fire. And his son says, uh, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Abraham spoke words of faith. God will provide for himself yeah. a lamb. And interestingly, it was in the same place where our heavenly father provided Jesus he was sacrificed on that same place. Yeah, Mount Moriah. Yeah, yeah. Only, wow. only probably where where Solomon had dug out the uh, he'd quarried the, the he made a quarry out of part of the mountain in order to make the rock for the for the His temple. temple. Uh-huh. So that was down there where in that quarry area that that Jesus was crucified. So our Father provides, and and I, for for years, you know, I'd, I'd hear Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides, and as I studied. I learned that Jaira or Yireh means to see. Yeah. So I understood that it meant the God who sees and sees to it. Yeah. So instead of Jehovah Jaira, because there's no J sound yeah. in Hebrew, it's Yehovah. Yehovah Yireh. Yehovah Yireh. Yeah. It just doesn't go along good with a song. Yehovah <laughs> Yireh, you know, nobody no. knows what you're doing. <laughs> So some things you can't change. <laughs> some things you don't need to. It's okay. But but the, the point is that the word, I didn't get prov- how the provider fit with the God that sees to it, except it's kind of the same idea. Mm-hmm. But the idea of provision means mm-hmm. seeing before. Provision, yeah. Yeah, vision uh-huh. means to see, see? and yeah. pro means beforehand. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing beforehand that so he so provider comes from provision. So our father is that provider. He knows already what you're going to have need of before you even ask him. And he's already got it prepared. So our expectation is that he is going to meet us in our need as we need it. Yeah. And what about the children of Israel in the the desert for of all course. those years? They had God supernaturally supplied manna for them. Right. Every morning it was there just waiting for him. Mm-hmm. 40 years he supplied for them. In spite of their complaining. And their shoes didn't wear out, clothes didn't wear out. In spite of their complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our, our father does these things because of covenant, even mm-hmm. if we don't keep our side of it. Yeah. He, he'll do what it takes to make us wake up. Yeah. To the fact that he is God and we need to honor him as God, but he's mm-hmm. going to provide because that's his nature. He's yeah. our father. And in his love for us and in his covenant for us, he wants us to be walking with him in such a way that it's perfectly natural for us to depend on him. Mm-hmm. Instead of us trying to do stuff ourselves. You know, there's an old saying that is not scriptural. God helps them that help themselves. 
<laughs> That's nowhere in the scripture. It's not in the scripture. It's God helps them that are worshiping him. That God helps him. them that obey him. Yeah. God helps them that are, are doing this from the heart. It's a, it's about the first commandment that, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You know, there's a, there's a scripture in Isaiah 33, verses 13 to 17. I'm reading from Amplified Classic. Hear you who are far off, says the Lord, what I have done. And you who are near, acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Trembling seizes the godless ones. They cry, who among us can dwell with that devouring fire? Who among us can dwell with those everlasting burnings? You know, they're afraid of God. The answer is in verse 15, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, who despises gain from fraud and from oppression, who shakes his hand free from the taking of bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes to avoid looking upon evil, such a man will dwell on the heights. His place of defense will be the fortresses of rocks. His bread will be given him. Mm. Water for him will be sure. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Your eyes will behold a land of wide distances that stretches afar. The secret to getting through these hard times, these shakings, these things that are ahead of us in some way or another, the secret to getting through them is to be righteous. Mm -hmm. It's to walk uprightly, to speak uprightly, to despise gain from fraud. I mean, you, you just don't take bribes. Don't, no. don't let anybody buy your favor. Oh, that's right. You know, these are the things that will keep you in the secret place. That, that's, an, that's another scripture that, that is so familiar and so important that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. It's Psalm 91. Mm -hmm. Go look it up. It's what's to be expected when we dwell with him. It's about relationship. Yes. Uh -huh. Our Father wants us to walk with him, to know him like Adam and Eve knew him. And when you have relationship, he takes care of you. It's true. So you've got this secret place. In Psalm 91, it's a place where you abide. It's a place where you dwell, a place where you live. Then there's that, that secret place of the stairs that's talked about in Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 14. Earlier in that chapter, it talks about, Come away, my beloved. Come away, my beloved. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers have appeared in the land. It's, it's springtime. It's a time of coming away. So the latter part of Song of Solomon 2.14 in the Amplified Classic says, O my dove, while you are here in the seclusion of the clefts, in the solid rock, in the sheltered and secret place of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Hmm. It's about relationship. Yeah. You have that secret place where you're giving him your face. He's giving you his face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he, he is altogether lovely, and yeah. he sees us as lovely because he's redeemed us. We're not ugly anymore. He can look on us when he's cleansed us of our sins. We can expect to have relationship 
with him. What does the Passion Translation say for that verse? Because I think it talks about it as, as being a stair. The secret place of the ascent is, is one of the ways that you could say it. Song of Solomon 2.14. Just before that, it says in the end of 13, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. So I went with him. And when we were climbing the rocky steps up the hillside, my beloved shepherd said to me, O oh, my dove, while you are here in the seclusion of the clefts in the solid rock and the sheltered and secret place of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. How does it read in the Passion? For you are my dove, hidden in the split-open rock. It was I who took you and hid you on high, in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship, and lovely your voice in prayer. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So you see this secret stairway. The stairway of love. Does that remind you of any other stairway in the Bible? That would be Jacob. Yeah. He made rocks for his pillow. Mm -hmm. And he had the vision of the, it was like a portal opened up is what it was. Mm -hmm. And he saw a ladder with angels ascending, going up and down on the ladder. Exactly. Genesis uh -huh. 28. And, and Jehovah himself appeared at the top of the stairs. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. And he recommitted the covenant with Jacob that he had made with Abraham and Isaac. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, was a, it was like, this is a generational covenant with three generations. I'm making this mm. covenant. It's sure for all generations. Yeah. But then when Jesus showed up, remember when he met Nathaniel and Nathaniel said, first Nathaniel said, um, can any, can any good, good thing, thing come out of Nazareth? <laughs> right. <laughs> But then, then he meets Jesus. And do you have John one fifty one there? So Jesus said, I, when, while you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And whatever it was he was doing under the fig tree, he must have been asking God something about the Messiah or something that would cause Nathaniel to say, you are the Messiah. And Jesus said, just because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, just wait and see. Maybe he was praying for a sign. Maybe so. So what does he say after that in the Passion? John one fifty one. I prophesy to you eternal truth. From now on you will see an open heaven and gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairway reaching into the sky with the messengers of God climbing up and down upon him. The angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So guess who's the ladder? Oh. Jesus wow. is the ladder Jesus himself. Ladder. Yes. Jesus, Jesus is the portal. He says, I am the door. That's a portal. That's an, an, it's an opening. Mm -hmm. he, he's the gate. He's also our walls. You know, there's a place in Isaiah that talks about your walls are salvation and your gates are praise. He, Jesus is everything to us. So it's so important that whatever we're doing physically to prepare for whatever is going to be coming, mm -hmm. we must do it in connection with the spirit realm, yeah. with the Holy Spirit, with guidance from the Lord, with expectation that he is going to do something amazing. You know, um, this idea of multiplying food. I remember hearing Patricia King tell a testimony and I, I contacted her to make sure it was okay to, to tell this. And she said, yes, please tell this story. And uh, it was... Before she even, she and her family went out on the mission field, they were not 
prospering very well, and all they had was a chicken for their family for supper. And, you know, they probably had some potatoes or something, but the main course was the chicken, and it was just enough for their family. Mm-hmm. And her husband shows up at dinner time. Yeah, he called her up and says, I'm bringing guests over. Yeah, I'm bringing guests. So she's starting to panic. <laughs> and she tells the children, now you're going to let those people help themselves first, and we will eat whatever's left. So just mm-hmm. prepare your heart. So they passed around the platter of chicken. And these people were help great big men, you know. They were helping themselves to huge portions. And by the time the platter got to Patricia, it was just as full as it had been when they started out. How, how many parts are on the chicken? Two legs, two wings, <laughs> two thighs, two breasts? But, it, but it's, it's multiplication uh-huh. according to the kingdom. Yes. So it, it was enough to feed 19 people that night. Mm-hmm. And they ate on it for three days afterwards. Yeah, and they got sick of chicken before it was all over. They had so much. But here's here's how it works. It works because this is how it is in heaven. Yeah, it's it's kingdom principle. Yes, this is kingdom principle. Yes, on earth as, as it, it is, is in, in heaven. heaven. Yeah. So people who have been to heaven that have had these experiences, I've read testimonies of you know here's here's this tray of fruit that just appears in front of them. Help yourself, (laughs) have a piece of fruit, you know. So the guy reaches up and he grabs a pear and he takes it off of the platter and another pear appears in its place. Yeah, I remember hearing that. So that's how it's done in heaven. So why wouldn't that be the way that it would work on earth when we're depending on our Father for multiplication? It's because we have an earthly mindset. Yeah, get over it. (laughs) Controlled by what we see and what we hear. Right. So why are we busy watching and listening to those things that are telling us how things are on the earth when we can have how it is in heaven? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are even people, we've heard testimonies, and not just one or two. uh, There there have been many down through the ages, I believe, that, that are saints of God. And I don't mean that in a Catholic sense necessarily, although some of them have been probably Catholic saints, that they had such a relationship with the Lord that they were able to just have daily Holy Communion and that was sufficient for them to thrive on through life. They did not have to eat meals. That's, that's credible. Yes, it's credible. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not incredible. It's, it's credible. credible. It is credible from heaven's point of view because Jesus is everything to us. Let him be everything to you. So when I heard that kind of testimony, I stopped being worried about storing stuff. Mm-hmm. I obey the Holy Spirit when he says, get this, get that, and store it. But I don't necessarily have to be worried about feeding myself. You can just declare fast <laughs> and and know that you can survive. For, yeah. uh, and, and I don't want to say here, of, uh, like for Sharon, you know, she just kind of naturally has low blood pressure, low blood sugar. And usually, you know, for people that have that combination, you know, they have to eat frequent and they usually can't be without meals. They get real shaky and, you know, low blood sugar does that. You know, you have all kinds of symptoms from that. But when she fasts, even on water, remember I watched her once start a fast on water for a week, you know, and then just went on just uh, 
diluted diluted fruit juice and water after that for like another two weeks. But whenever whenever she fasts at any time, it's just amazing me. And I know it's God because mm-hmm. her body in the natural cannot operate like that. It's a supernatural thing. thing. But as Dean Braxton says, it's not supernatural. It's the natural from the heavenly realm. Hmm. We should be expecting to be naturally supernatural. That mm-hmm. This is the way God is. It's to be expected. It's to be expected that he will be faithful. And it's all about relationship. Exactly. So if you feel led to plant a garden, if you feel led to can some things, if you feel led of God to... Get some chickens if your area allows allows it. Yeah. Have have your own fresh eggs. You know, learn learn the things that you can eat from your yard. I remember hearing a testimony of the people in Germany um, during during the World War II when they didn't have any food and they were eating out of what was growing in their yard, mm-hmm. that they didn't have any need for doctors because they were so healthy from eating these good things that were in their yard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they may have lost weight, but they survived and yeah. they weren't harmed by it. You know, But learn the things that are edible. There's nothing wrong with that. Just, just do as you feel led by the Holy Spirit, but do it in relationship to our Heavenly Father. He is expecting to provide miracles for you. Mm-hmm. So come to him with an expectation. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you to put a passion in the hearts of each listener. Lord, that they will follow you passionately with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength, that they'll serve you because they love you and that they'll obey you and they'll come with expectation that you are going to meet their needs no matter what things look like, that they will expect you to provide food, whether it's manna, whether it's multiplication, whether it's simply trusting your presence to sustain them. Lord, we're asking you to give them the faith that will cause them to operate in such a way that it will draw people to you who are desperate, that it will draw people to you because these people have peace and these people have expectation of God. And, And Lord, we're just thanking you that every single one of these listeners is going to be used of you in the days to come, whenever that may be. Maybe it's this afternoon, maybe it's mm-hmm. uh, years from now. But Lord, we know that you are sufficient. Yes, you are you, the Father. all-sufficient one. And even in the midst of the, the horrible things that were going on in Jeremiah's lamentation time, he declared, great is your faithfulness, morning by morning. I see new mercies. Yes. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful and we give you glory and we give you honor in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, 
loving presence.